0: Welcome to the FinOps Fridays podcast, where we discuss all things FinOps. It's an educational resource to help you learn and build your capability in all things FinOps. We're also here to have fun, so we'll make it entertaining, have a few laughs, and share a few stories. And welcome to the next episode of FinOps Friday. Today, I'm here with our guest, Ali Whitman. And today, we are going to put the fun into FinOps. Uh, that is a wee little joke for our New Zealand audience. Otherwise, you're probably looking at me with strange faces. Ali, would you like to introduce yourself uh, to the audience? Uh, where have you come from? What's your experience been?
1: Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Hi, everyone. My name's Ali. And my background is a little bit different. Um, I actually started in consulting, wanting to do nothing with the cloud, and got an opportunity to go on to a global media and entertainment company's um, cloud project, and was able to start from scratch and build up their whole FinOps program. I was able to come in and basically uh, define what does cost optimization look like for this customer? And... In doing so, found out I really enjoyed working in this work. You know, the numbers, being able to get into the data and help our teams with all the different levers that they have in optimization and how they can run efficiently, I wanted to keep doing it full-time. So I transitioned over to AWS, where I was a part of a team called Optics, and our team's whole role was to help AWS's largest customers identify ways to run more efficiently and make sure that they are maximizing their benefit on the cloud. I'm actually going back to the customer world now, though, too. So in between jobs right now. So technically right now, I am in peer training mode. I've been playing with a lot of uh, trainings that I've been wanting to do, um, but just didn't had time for. And so it's been a fun a fun time right now.
0: Yeah, excited to get back into the trenches from the customer side from the vendor side.
1: Oh, yes, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit scared. I'm gonna be a little rusty since it's been a couple years, but I am so excited to see, you know, what it was like to be the people that I was working directly with, actually be back in their shoes, understand now knowing what I know from being on, you know, the AWS side to now going back to the customer. How could I, you know, better connect the dots or better leverage resources I didn't know existed before.
0: And also like the constraints that you operate, that was one thing I always struggled with from a vendor just go and get this done. You're really not aware of the constraints that exist within the customers at all times within their organization, or the blockers that they've got as well.
1: Yes, it's and and exactly that. So you know, a lot of times we'll be saying, take action on this optimization. It's low-hanging fruit. But what really is low-hanging fruit? It it is to us maybe, but it might not be to the customer and how they're how they're thinking about it or how that team specifically thinks about it. So being able to really hone in on how do I connect optimization more to engineers and make it a part of their day to day rather than something that we come in as hey this low hanging fruit clean it up. How do we start with that?
0: Yeah, uh, and one quick question you mentioned you know you went from consulting and sort of found your way into the FinOps and the cloud world. What was the skill set that you have? Why were you identified? Or what was it that made you make that jump and connect you to the cloud and, and FinOps?
1: Um, I think one of the things about me is I love to really dive in and find a point of reference. My background's in finance. And you know one of the things with the cloud is you kind of have to understand your spend first to really know where you have opt- the opportunities to optimize. And so I was able to really use that to my advantage And just my ability to kind of want to dive in deeper and and figure out more within what this puzzle we call the cloud is.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. Uh, All right. So on to our topic, we're here to talk about gamification. Uh, It sounds fun enough. You know, it's got the word game in it. Um, Is it really fun or are you just trying to like dress up the vegetables to make sure that the kids eat them? Or is it, you know, a really completely unique approach to solving a problem? Can you explain for us you know, exactly what gamification actually is?
1: Yeah. So gamification is actually just essentially applying all the fun and engaging elements that you find in a typical game to a real world or productive activity. So think about, you know, when you were a kid, when you were a kid, you gamified uh, or teachers would gamify a lot of things in school. You had Uh, sticker charts, you had uh, different ways to basically hone in on the key human drivers that make a person want to participate in and really give it their all. And and think about it more as something that they want to do rather than something that's forced upon them. Yes, they're still eating those vegetables, um, but they're doing it in a way that it's actually something that's resonating with them. It's hitting the key factors that they're interested in. And I like to kind of think about it as like an Apple watch. Your Apple watch um, is a a day-to-day form of gamification. Uh, My fiance wears his, and he talks about closing his rings all the time. It's essentially their sticker chart. It's gamifying day-to-day activity to get adults to move. Just like with FinOps, when you gamify FinOps, you're just gamifying the optimization or the art of kind of learning the best practices of how to run efficiently on the cloud and and so regardless these teams should be thinking about this we might as well make it fun for them too
0: so it's not just sort of like dressing it up and hiding it it is actually adding specific elements so that it is actually a game if you you look at the task it now has all the elements that would actually make it an enjoyable game sort of experience it's not just sort of a, a bait and switch type of thing or disguising it
1: Exactly. And so, you you know, it's still, it's still there, but it's now something that it's there in a different way that you want to uh, work with it. You're now perceiving it as something that's fun rather than something being forced upon you.
0: Gotcha. Uh, and what's the actual outcome of gamification? Is it the, to, to make something fun in education or is it to make sure that you can achieve the task outcome? What would you say is the outcome of gamifying
1: it? I think you know, there's different outcomes. An outcome might not actually be a savings opportunity. It could be something as simple as education or breaking down the barriers, so it's easier for folks to optimize or run efficiently in their day-to-day. So I think the actual outcome is just getting awareness to the teams in a way that it's no longer an ad hoc, um, you know, I need to do optimization on the side. It's bringing optimization to them in a way that resonates and something that they can take forward. Because regardless, um, you know, I think like it or not, people are going to have to optimize at some point in time, even if it hasn't come to them just yet. We might as well, you know, get the outcome early on where gamification is enjoyable and it's something that people actually look forward to and, and get a little bit more innovative around.
0: And does it always make something fun and enjoyable or does it make something that, that's horrible, less horrible um, yeah, does it doesn't make it enjoyable or does it just trigger something else that you actually want to get it done? There's more of a desire versus I'm not getting enjoyment, but I really want to solve this problem type of thing.
1: I think there's, there's going to be different people. And again, tapping into how it resonates with your teams, keeping an open fit feedback loop, because you know what resonates with some, uh, someone might not resonate with another person. And so making sure that you know how your teams work best, but also how do you appeal or adapt to your team's changing needs. And so in terms of that, there's going to be people who, you know, i um, going to give a shout out to my old teammate, Steph. She is, you play a game with Steph. Steph's going to win and you want to be on Steph's team. No matter what the game is, she is going to get it done. And she is going to blow everyone out of the water. And, and it could be any topic. And she's driven by that kind of comp- competition factor, wanting to really be her biggest competitor. And she's the person that's really driving it forward, regardless of the topic. There's going to be people though, that need it to be something a little bit more incentivized to them. And that's kind of where, you know, the prizes, the um, recognition, the different areas that come with gamification, bring those people into the, into the play because they might be ones that might not have, you know, taken that step without the gamification aspect.
0: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So it actually, it's not making it fun, but it actually brings more people and resources involved as well.
1: Yes, and, and I think the key piece of this is, is like, less is more not everything should be gamified. If you gamified every single day of your work, it would become unbearable. It would become a nuisance. It, it would just become over gamified. You really wanna hone in and like what you are gamifying and, and what the kind of defined gamification type of event or optimization is. If it's too broad or too frequent, um, it's gonna be exhausting for teams and they're gonna to turn to it, they're gonna to learn to resent it rather than having it be an enjoyable time.
0: Gotcha. I mean, you speak to anyone that works at a chocolate company, <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't really
0: eat that much chocolate. Like, yeah, how can you not? Um, okay, so how do you make it actual? How do you make gamification successful? You know, at some point, the kid's gonna realize I'm being snuck vegetables here. Um, how do you make sure that it stays a game? And you sort of touched on it there, you know, less is more, but how do you make sure that? You, it does stay a game and it doesn't start to become a chore when you use this tool. How do you keep it enjoyable?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the, you know, it's still, it's still going to be the same type of outcome where they're, they're actually taking action of an optimization, like with a Brussels sprout. It's just in a, in a way that it's more enjoyable. So think about if you add bacon to Brussels sprouts, just a simple change makes them way more appealing to a lot of folks. I know I'm one of those people. Um, and it's kind of like that with gamification, you know, you really just got to hone in on, on something very small and minor that's going to resonate with the, your whole teams. And so, you know, going back to that less is more, you know, maybe having it be a few different, um, you know, maybe it's a quarterly gamification or you um, have it more focused on kind of a, a team or a topic or just something that really puts it to a defined start and end. And... You know it's not always gonna be successful from the start. And, and I think that's where that feedback loop I mentioned a little bit earlier comes into play. You really need to learn from your teams and your past gamifications. There's no gamification event if your teams aren't enjoying it, and if you're not taking the learnings that you have from working with them to heart and putting it into practice. And so always room for improvement, always room to adjust and adapt, and always room to pivot if, if you find the, the way you're gamifying it isn't working. So maybe you did a day event I've actually had this happen with a customer. They recognized that a day event wasn't working for them. They couldn't get their team to prioritize a full day because it was taking them away from all their activities. There'd be people out. They also didn't feel like they learned enough of the concepts to be able to apply it. And so that team, you know, recognized it and we were able to adapt and create an event that actually worked for them and fit their team's needs. So I think, you know, going back to what you can kind of take away from how do you make it successful, it's listening to the needs of your teams and really making sure that you are adjusting it to fit where their priorities lie and how they run their workloads in their day to day.
0: Gotcha. Uh, and who needs to be involved with the activities you know, from start to finish completion, uh, whether or not they're actually doing the activities or whether or not you know they're giving some, some weight to it, who needs to be at the table?
1: Yeah, I say you never want to block people from coming to the table. The first gamification event is always going to be a party. And by that, I mean people who really don't need to be there are going to come. And that's okay. They might, they're going to get something out of it. They are not probably going to be a a key stakeholder in taking the action or some of the content that's tailored to them. But it's good to get them involved. It's good to have them be able to have some of the learnings that come out of it. It's also interesting. Are those
0: people taking part or they're sort of observing, Hey, I've heard about this cloud thing. It's not my thing, but I'm looking in, or they're people that are coming along. This is my job, but I'm sort of half interested.
1: Um, I'd say both. I'd say you'll get people who are cautiously optimistic the first time, where they might not be fully participating in it or their team might not be in it just yet, but they want to come be kind of on the sidelines to see, is this something that, you know, we want to do. We're not really sold yet. You know, Kind of sell us on it, then there's going to be those people that, you know, um, might not have a, a stake in, in the type of event that it's, the type of gamification event. At the end of the day, it could be a person who's strictly finance. They do have a stake in it, but the event might be for engineering. And it might be a very, you know, hands-on type of event where we're going into a, a concept that, you know, less on the finance side, it's more on teaching the concepts from an engineering perspective they still can learn something from sitting in. And what we've kind of found is like, how can you kind of bring bits and pieces into, into it that will kind of help resonate with them. So, you know, in the first time we'll, we'll see kind of who's all has interest, the different types of teams and stakeholders there. And then what we can do is adapt and say, Hey, you know, it looks like we have a lot of folks who are from X, Y, and Z type of role or have these responsibilities. We can have someone kind of break out with them separately and, and walk them through how to connect it to what the teams are doing because They're not really participating in the game, but they're able to learn from it and take advantage of, you know, how do I talk to my teams about what they're doing and learning in this game?
0: I'll talk about, um, well, in terms of, so the first of couple of of sessions of gamification are really about learning the art of gamification and learning the art of gamification in your company. And then after you've worked that out, it then becomes more about actually the task at hand. Is that sort of a natural evolution progression?
1: I'd say it is. I will say that you know you could have a successful event just from the get-go. like you know um, being at AWS and being able to work with a bunch of different customers on these type of events, you start to learn and recognize just from you know what you know about your customers or what you know about the teams you're working with, what might work better. But you never really know until you get in there and, and, and see how it's going. So you can do all the planning, you can do all the prep, but, but you can't predict that it's going to be a perfect event. And I don't think you'll ever have a perfect event. There's always something to learn. Um, but it does sometimes take, you know, a recognition from the first event of like, what could we have done differently to make this more impactful? And you can learn that during the event and, and, and take that into account and, and adjust. And so it can happen in real time, too.
0: Gotcha. Um, and is there anyone, just sort of going back to the previous point, who's involved, is there anyone specifically you don't involve? You know, is it that that grumbly um, person that's stuck in the teenage that loves the service? Do you avoid bringing them in or do you sort of force them in at risk of them disrupting the event? Is, is there anyone that you don't want at the event?
1: I'd say it's not a, a, a specific role. It's going to be someone who's, you know, bringing down the morale of the team. I know a lot of people and might argue with this. A lot of people will bring optimization in terms of waste. We don't want to talk about it in terms of waste during these events. We want to talk about it as, you know, an opportunity um, and make it positive. So if people are coming in and having a negative perspective on what's going on or, um, you know, taking away from the work that the team are doing and and making it more of a stressful environment for them and, and actually adding to the level of work or, you know, Asking the question of like, why didn't you do this sooner? There's a lot of reasons why they might have not done it sooner. And, and so those are the people that we probably don't want in the event. And what we typically try and do is, you know, have a counterpart on the customer side or the team side, depending on what your role is, that is able to help kind of set expectations with that person and, and let them know, hey, you know, it's all, it's all of us or nothing. You got to be here. You got to participate. If you're going to do that, you need, a, you need to be supportive of your team or else we're not going to get anywhere.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. All right, we'll take a quick a quick break here, and it is time to do our speed round questions. This is where we ask our guest a few little questions to get to know a little bit more about them. Ali, are you ready?
1: I am ready.
0: Alrighty. Uh, pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Heck no. Cat person or a dog person?
1: Dog for sure.
0: Red or white wine? Red wine. Beer or spirits? Spirits. Ask permission or beg for forgiveness?
1: Beg for forgiveness, probably.
0: Favorite movie director, producer, genre?
1: This one's easy, Coach Carter.
0: Tea or coffee? Coffee. Your favorite TV series?
1: Entourage.
0: Your favorite song, musician, genre?
1: Uh, probably Chris Stapleton.
0: Your favourite food, type of food?
1: Anything Italian.
0: When you holiday, do you prefer activities or relax and do nothing?
1: Uh, anything near the beach.
0: Are you doing activities, water sports, or are you just lying down doing nothing?
1: Probably in the water, so activities.
0: Uh, buildings and architecture or nature?
1: I'd probably say. Buildings and architecture, even though I'm, I'm going to say the beach for the other one. I know they clash, but I, I like looking at houses.
0: <laughs> beach next to a city with some expensive houses. I got it. Um, <laughs> what is your preferred superpower, supernatural ability?
1: Um, I would say reading people's minds. I know that's creepy.
0: Very invasive, yes. <laughs> your favorite vacation location?
1: Uh, Lake Roosevelt.
0: Uh, text or talk? Talk. Your childhood nickname?
1: Technically, Allie's my childhood nickname, so Alexis is actually my real name.
0: Uh, your proudest moment?
1: Uh, proudest moment was getting to meet my nephew for the first time.
0: Nice. Alright, so you scored a 95 and a half. Chipped up on the pineapple, and it's not too bad.
1: There. Hey, okay, I'll take it, I'll take it. That would be a. F-
0: solid rock solid absolutely uh all right so back into the topic before we take a break for this half of the episode uh so i'm sold gamification is something that's awesome i really want to gamify some things um what are some sort of details when it comes around and i sort of talked spoke about this briefly before in terms of the evolution but how do you actually build capability and get better at it as an organization like how is gamifying a core component of what you're able to do
1: yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's gonna vary on what you're doing in the gamification event. And so I think uh, when it kinds of comes into like gamification as a type of event, there's typically two types of gamifications or two brackets, I'd almost say. One is gonna be a kind of a a game day type of event. So if you've ever participated in a game day, they're typically a one day event there where you're implementing like a real life scenario, but it's in a risk free environment. You're not actually working in your own applications. It's more of a learning event. And that would be kind of one where I'd say um, those are ones where you're trying to teach a concept or you're really trying to educate folks on the different levers that they have to pull, but not do it in a way where it's going to actually impact their environment or actually be something that they are taking action on. The nice thing about these is you can kind of define the scope and the outline of it. So these are great for you know, educating people on, you know, best practices or how to actually implement something, but in a, in a way that it's very prescriptive and they can follow the steps through it. These are actually really great for um, the finance folks too as well, like a FinOps type of person. I think these are probably one of the ones I say, even if the topic is a little bit more technical than they're used to, I highly encourage they they come and take part in these ones a game day type of event where it's risk-free, you're not actually taking action environment is one that they could do as well. And, and it's, it's, Oh, are
0: you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what is uh, the thing just sort of like, I think a lot of people might be aware of like a hack day where you set up a pre-configured environment for, you know, from a security hack day, it's got some vulnerabilities and people are trying to hack it and people are trying to defend it. Um, what is like a FinOps cost optimization cloud financial management hack day game day look like, do you build a heap of stuff inefficiently, but then you have got to wait a day for all the billing to happen? And then like like how do you what does a sort of a game day look like? Some sort of practical examples?
1: Yeah, so one could be, you know, you have it pre-set up ahead of time. There's ways to provision an environment and get it set up. But actually one of the ones that I'd say from a finance pro- approach that I challenge everyone if you haven't done this yet is you know, a lot of the finance folks will use the console. They're more comfortable going in and taking action in the console or using the console and the UI for anything they're looking at. Um, one of the easiest optimizations from like an, a way to kind of show how to do it from an AWS side is let's take at looking, um, t- changing a volume volume and modernizing an EBS volume from GP2 to GP3. If you were to do that, a lot of times people go into the console and be like, okay, here's how I would go about doing it or here's how I talk about doing it but have they actually done it? And so can we show them how that they can, you know, go through the steps of using infrastructure as code rather than going into the console to do it? And so maybe they use um, a lab that does, takes them through like cloud nine with a CDK approach. I know I got a little bit into the terms there. Um, Hopefully there'll be a lab on one of these public soon so that you guys can try them out or you can do a gamification event with it. But it actually now puts you into the shoes of not exactly what your engineering teams are doing, but at least a little bit more in an understanding of, of the approach that they take to implement these types of optimizations in their environments and, and you're using a type of a pipeline approach rather than you know plug a chug away in the, in the console
0: Yeah and the you know one aspect one aspect of FinOps is you know sort of doing the actual work of changing and optimize but there's still many, many other components you know the visibility, the accountability, has have you seen game days around that type of thing? Like, okay, let's create a dashboard. Or how do we get insights into this? Uh, you know, a tagging schema. Probably the not the most fun game day, but you're then getting input from everyone, and they feel as though it's part of them, and they're buying into that, which could be a balanced strategy. The other aspects of like the non-technical components. Has it been? Have you seen game days around those?
1: Yes, definitely. And I'd say even if a game day isn't on one of those. We always like to have those be a part of it because you want to be able to track and recognize the savings or the efficiencies or what actually happened and took place and the impact of it. And so regardless of the type of event, we can show um, the FinOps folks or the folks who need to track more of the visibility aspect of it, how to gamify what their teams actually did into their own day-to-day. So building a report around it, you know, we have... Uh, You could use a BI tool with any of the cloud providers billing reports as just one of the most simple, basic ways to get started. And gamifying how can you best show these opportunities. And let's take it a step further. Who can come up with the most innovative way to show how a team's trending, but also where their opportunities lie. Are you able to group and and see your different teams or different areas based on what you know about them from working with them And, and hone in on where maybe a team's had a success and where you haven't seen a team move the needle and connect the dots to figure out what's going well with that team and bring it to the team that hasn't started. And so you can use the data from a visibility standpoint to start to figure out where your teams are succeeding and where you can you know, use those successes to teach others. Gotcha.
0: Um, and you sort of spoke about it before as well, You know, less is more, you wanna keep that novelty factor. You wanna keep the, the, the real honest excitement and passion. How frequently do you do something like a game day or an event or do you start to also sort of slowly add one or two gamification features in a regular job to, to sort of build out some of that as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the other type of bracket we actually didn't touch on yet is you have the game day type of event, which is one to two days typically. But one of the ones that I actually found my customers liked a little bit more was um, an event that took a place over the course of like a month or a couple of weeks, or some even would extend it to a quarter and have the priorities go around that quarter. I say a month is about the happy medium. Anything longer and it, it it does get a little bit too long of a duration. But what this is actually letting them do is take an approach where they're actually working in their own environment. So with the game day, at the end of the game day, you've learned a concept or you've been able to complete um, a type of action or something, but you haven't actually realized savings in your own environment. Whereas the month long or a longer duration gives a Customers' time and engineers' time to assess the opportunity in their environment, test it out in a dev environment, not fraud first, and then see if it's working and implement it across the board if it's something that fits their environments. It also gives them time to ask questions in between about, hey, I'm hitting, you know, this type of blocker. What do you do for here? Or how would you approach it next? And so I found that those ones resonate a lot more, and and they also get people a little bit more excited because they. End the event with actual savings. These ones specifically can get really wide scope very quickly because everyone's saying, you know, there's so many opportunities, let's put all of these ones out. I say stick with a couple. Maybe you have it focused on compute and storage, and you have a couple key factors around compute and storage that, you know, teams are focusing on, and then you always have like an innovation type of optimization where it is a free open one, but. It's not one of the ones that are actively part of the event and you can get an award for kind of the most creative optimization.
0: Gotcha. And I guess also getting multiple teams or a large number of people to be completely free for a day without distractions can be challenging. So a longer one, people can sort of slot in and do some time when they want.
1: Exactly. And a lot of times it's, you know, would you really feel comfortable taking action of something you just learned? You want to go back and assess it, really do your due diligence there. It's hard to say with confidence that, you know, on paper this looks good, but I need to double check that this actually is the right decision for, you know, our workloads, our applications, and isn't gonna I- impact our end business and, and actually cause more of a cost because we took action on this. And so I think that's really what the key is of of the multi-day events. And you also learn a lot more about how teams take what they learn and apply it. And so those are some of the best learnings that you get out of it from, um, you know, a leadership perspective of of people taking part in the game, but also from, you know, when I was on the AWS side, learning how the different teams hone in and take action after they hear and understand a concept, because that lets me help them in the future. But it also lets the, um, you know, their broader team figure out what works well and what doesn't and get them more support in the way that you know, they need it. So in a future optimization, they can actually understand, you know, hey, this, ha- this is how the team digested it last time. Let's maybe take that approach again and let's first actually um, show them the opportunity ahead of time before we even bring it into it. So maybe they start showing KPIs of what they're going to be doing in an event a couple months before and just start getting people comfortable with it because that was one of the problems that they faced maybe. Maybe they didn't even know that the opportunity was there until the event came up.
0: Got it. And so you you basically need to evolve your gamification capability, like you evolve everything else. You learn, you get better, you take it to the next step. You add, you try different things all the way along the journey.
1: Yes, exactly. It's gamification, you know, for the folks taking part in the event. It's a it's a fun way for them to do something that we they should be doing already, and it really does put the you know camaraderie into it of hey, you know, let's make this a, a fun and. collaborative environment, but for the folks actually hosting it, it's a lot of planning and partnering. I was
0: going to say the preparation, there is actually like the event itself is fun, but there is some serious work that needs to go into preparing, planning so that it does execute.
1: Exactly. And so that is probably, I'd say the piece that, you know, behind the scenes is most important for a successful event, but we don't want to burden the people who are actually taking a part in the event with that. So we have you know, a counterpart on either the customer side or your partner side, or you know, the different kind of key stakeholders that you would need to, for a successful event. And, and those are the folks that are really getting together and figuring out how do we make this something that resonates but it's actually something that is worth the team's time and, and is going to give the effect and the impact that we need to really um, push forward and drive optimization.
0: And my easy answer to that is just to simply gamify the preparation for the gamification event. The preparation is going to be fun, simple, great, great solution.
1: <laughs> I, I definitely, i also say the preparation sometimes will bring up gaps that folks didn't realize. So, you know, a lot of times people will find a, a, a topic that they want to gamify, but they don't have the ability to give their teams the data on it yet. And that's probably one of the most interesting ones is how do you balance that? Cause now they're needing to gamify themselves too. And so we challenged them to, to kind of figure out how they can get their teams, the information they need and would show them how to do it, but in parallel, be able to pull that first set for them and, and get them started. So the teams can do it in parallel to them learning as well.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We're going to take a quick break here for the first half of the episode. So that is it for another episode of FinOps Fridays. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode or would like to learn more, please feel free to reach out to us at finopsfridays at aptio.com. Also like and subscribe to get updates for future episodes.